In this week's In-Ear Insights, we are talking business strategy, which is admittedly a really, really big umbrella term. And so, Katie, I want to start off by saying when we're, when you're thinking about business strategy and implementing it or developing business strategy, um, where do you start? Like, how do you, how do you frame this concept of business strategy uh, in your head? You know, it really, it varies from business to business. And I think that that's one of the keys to start with is that your business strategy is not going to look the same as anyone else's because it needs to be unique to your business. And so when I think business strategy, you know, I think about the growth plan. I think, you know, how are we going to, basically, how are we going to get through the year and continue to have positive outcomes on all of the metrics that we're tracking. And so that's the way that I think about our business strategy. You know, it's the financials, it's the, you know, digital footprint, it's the number of customers, and it's sort of retention of all the things. So those are the factors that I usually start with in terms of our overall business strategy. And like I said, it's, you know, our general very generalized strategy is growth, but that covers growth across all of those things that I mentioned. So growth across the digital footprint, growth across the customer base, growth across the financials. Um, so those are the things that I tend to look at for us. If we were a different kind of business, that might be different. What do you think of uh, with business strategy, Chris? Typically, I will revert to, especially when you're just starting in a new situation, looking at the the piles of the known best practices, the frameworks, right? So you have uh, the pest analysis, Porter's five forces, SWOT analysis, uh, the four P's of marketing. Not because those are you know going to get you guaranteed results, but because they're good starting points. They're good ways mm -hmm. to to make sure that you're checking off the basics, right? So if you've, if you've never done a SWOT analysis against a specific competitor, for example, uh, it's one of those things that's, that's a helpful thing to do because it gets people talking and thinking, oh yeah, actually that big competitor we're dealing with is a, is a major problem or you know, the four P's of marketing. And there are no shortage of people who have written uh, contrary opinions about the usefulness of the four P's. But when you're starting from zero, when mm -hmm. you don't have a business strategy, it's not the worst place in the world to start, you know, product, price, placement, promotion. Um, what is your product? You know, where do you sell it? How much should you charge for it? How do you get people to become aware of it? And very often, um, people don't have that thought out very well. The other flip side are things like voice of the customer, right? As a, as a standard business strategy, you know, how do you currently listen to your customer? Anytime that we're talking to customers about marketing data, and marketing analytics, we certainly see not enough focus on the voice of the customer, or the focus that they have is a little thin. It's only, you know, it's it's only focuses on maybe one or two of the eleven different areas that that we recommend for for focusing on voice of the customer. So, when you're talking business strategy, it's can you broadly identify what's wrong with the business, and then can you find existing strategic frameworks to kind of, if not patch the holes at least get people going, oh, that, that, yeah, that's, we, we completely forgot our sales strategy. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you're talking about the frameworks because it does apply to the overall business, but then you just ended with the sales strategy. And so I would imagine that you would need to apply the frameworks to every different discipline within your company. So your marketing discipline gets, you know, a SWOT analysis, your sales discipline gets a SWOT analysis because it's going to look different. You can sort of do the overarching, but then you need to drill down farther as you're thinking through like what's working, what's not, because what works for sales won't necessarily work for your engineering team, for example. Um, and what they need to focus on, what that team needs to focus on in terms of competitors and innovations is different from what your sales team would need to focus on. So your sales team likely needs to focus on different ways to reach the potential customers where they're at and what the competitors are saying about, you know, the products and, you know, if they're like bashing you or, you know, just sort of that general conversation, whereas the engineers might need to focus more on what's the latest and greatest with the technology piece of it. So they need to focus more on the platform and the coding. And so a SWOT analysis for those two different teams is going to look very different. It is. And even more fundamentally, when you take a step back, you know, looking at the five P's, purpose, platform, people, uh, process and performance, that's something that you need to apply uh, universally across every department because you know what the challenges that you face in finance are going to look different than hr hr is going to look different than marketing and sales we obviously have a bias towards marketing and sales because it's what we uh work with the most but mm -hmm. a lot of these strategies and it's why we're talking about business strategy apply the business level first and then you have to reverse engineer from that to your specific department and organizational function and that's that can be tricky particularly if the people who are in that function don't see how the overall business strategy maps to what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And therefore they are less incentivized to, to implement it and, and to be a champions for it. You know, in fact, they, they may even oppose it. You know, if you're, mm -hmm. if you have a growth business strategy and uh, part of that growth in, incorporates, you know, hiring hundreds of new people to, to scale your, your business and, you have existing stakeholders within the business who are like, no, no, I like the small family feel of this business. You've got a strategic mismatch. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, I think you just hit upon the number one place where things go wrong is communication. And so the lack thereof. So, you know, a lot of times when we're talking business strategy, so, you know, when, as we're recording this, it's, still early January 2022. And a lot of companies are still working through those strategic plans that they may have started last year, or they may have waited till the first to start, you know, and so this is the time of year when companies typically, you know, revisit and reset their strategy. What I see happen, what I've experienced happen more often than not is that that's done at an executive level, the strategy is set high level, but then that's kind of where it ends. You know, what the information that trickles down is, okay, uh, marketing team, here's the number that you need to hit. And that's all the information they get. They don't get the why, they don't get, you know, any of the rationale. They're just supposed to magically manifest this goal number that they don't know where it came from. They don't know what the research was in terms of setting that number. They don't know 
the rationale behind why do we need to hit that number? Why is this particular number important? What about all these numbers over here? And so when doing business strategy, the transparency and communication around why you're doing what you're doing is just as important as the strategy itself. Because Chris, to your point, people need to buy in and believe in it in order to be able to execute it. I don't know a single person that is okay with being asked or told to do something without context. If I came to you and I said, uh, Chris, we need uh, 10 new customers. Your first question would probably be like, why is everything okay with the finances or you know, what's going on? Or can you tell me a little bit more? What kinds of customers? Like, what are we looking for? And I'm like, don't ask questions, just do it. I cannot imagine that that would go very well and that you would not for a second dig in your heels and be like, I'm not doing that until you tell me more. <laughs> oh, my parents always used to say I was a very agreeable child. I would agree to things and just then ignore you completely. So <laughs> um, That does not make you agreeable. <laughs> it makes you totally agreeable. He's very cheerful. Like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> as opposed to my brother who just argued well all the time. But no, it, in communications part of it, um, role is part of it and and purpose you know the, the first of the five p's in the trust insights framework is purpose why are you doing the thing and mm -hmm. that has to be made very clear it you don't need to transmit all of the details the bloody guts of things and it does have it's difficult for some companies to implement because there is a chronic lack of honesty um in business in general, but particularly in the executive suite. I mean, if you think about it and you take a step back, let's take, uh, you know, Amazon, for example, what is the business purpose of Amazon? Well, for the customer side, it's to get your, you uh, cheaper stuff faster, right? Mm -hmm. uh, is functionally what Amazon is all about. Like, how can we get you to buy more stuff that, that's cheaper for you that we can get to you faster? And the, on the business side, it's how can we make a crap ton of money uh, so that we can send our our chairman into space more often? Uh, <laughs> and, and therein lies the challenge of communication and transparency, because for a company like ours, it's pretty clear mm -hmm. why we're doing the thing. Like we're doing the thing so that we can like eat and pay more, our mortgages and stuff like that. Once you get beyond a certain point, then you do need to have that purpose that other people can buy into. And that's where a lot of business strategy falls apart. And it's and it's part and parcel of why companies are having such a difficult time hiring and retaining staff right now, because they look the staff look at this and go, uh, what's in this for me other than a paycheck? Because mm -hmm. I can get a paycheck anywhere, uh, literally anywhere now. What's it? Why should I stay here? And because businesses have not been in the habit of communicating purpose well, mm -hmm. they lose staff or the conditions at which somebody's working in are just so appalling that like, yeah, literally anything is better. I was helping a friend over the weekend with their resume, which was a shocking exercise because I haven't done one in 20 years. Um, and I was you know, asking, well, what, you know, what about this? Why this? What about this? And, and they were like, um, I don't really care where I work. As long as the paycheck is decent and mm -hmm. I can be, you know, home to see my family. I'm like, this person has zero buy-in at all to any of the business strategies that businesses have set. You will get work out of them and you'll probably get the minimum amount of work needed for them to keep their job. Mm -hmm. Right. They used to be motivated. Um, 
But then they worked uh, at a couple of financial companies and, and Amazon for a while. And they're like, none of what I do has a purpose other than to make a few guys wealthy. Why should I well, try harder than I absolutely have to? The purpose, their purpose has changed. And so the one of the steps in there in that in the trust insights framework is that persona statement. And so it's an important exercise because in that example, I would imagine that as a job seeker, I want to, you know, find a job with a decent paycheck and flexibility so that I can have a better work-life balance. Previously, that statement might have read something like, as a job seeker, I want to work for a company I believe in so that I can move their mission and values forward. And so making sure that that persona statement is clear will help direct not only the company, but also the each individual person as to their own why. Uh, and, you know, so as we're talking through going through all the different departments, every department is going to have a different why. And so I, you know, I personally think it's okay to just collect a paycheck. You don't have to necessarily believe in the work that you're doing as long as you have a why for what you're doing. So for some people, they have to have purpose-driven work. For other people, they just want to collect the paycheck so they can go do other things with their life that are more meaningful and purposeful. And both scenarios are perfectly acceptable. Oh, I totally agree. But when we think about it in terms of business strategy and communication, mm -hmm. there has to be enough there for those different kinds of people. Because, yeah, you're going to get... Yeah okay work from people who are okay with a paycheck and nothing else if you want more than that out of them you've got to figure out how to realign work for them so that they say all right i'm actually going to show up and try today instead fall asleep on the job or spend all day texting um, and then on the purpose side that's really challenging for a lot of companies and their business strategies because your purpose changes over time right mm -hmm. um as companies get bigger, as companies um, become less personal, just by sheer scale, your purpose can change, and mm -hmm. that can fall out of alignment with, you know, uh, with the people who have signed up to work for that purpose. Now, there's some companies that do that very well, like Patagonia, for example, and mm -hmm. REI. They have a very clearly stated purpose, and the the actions the companies take reflect that purpose in their business strategy, like Patagonia, when um, uh, there's some stuff going on with the national parks a couple of years ago and things, you know, really stepped up and put a lot of money and reputation on the line saying, you know, we, we stand for protecting the great outdoors and we will do whatever it takes to, to support that. And so the, the purpose side of things is certainly an easier way to retain staff and to, and to retain customers too, because everyone agrees why you're working together. So the real, it, it's almost in a way, a precursor to business strategy is figuring out what that purpose is and then what kind of people and customers you're going to acquire that promotes that that whatever strategy you choose because if you, if yeah if there to your point there's absolutely nothing wrong with a company where yeah we make left-handed smoke shifters that's what we do there's you know there's no high purpose there's no there's no moral to it it's not immoral. It's just like, yeah, we make left-handed smoke shifters. We want to make them and sell them to people. And you're going to attract people like, yeah, I want to make a, I just want to pay a paycheck when making smoke shifters. I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't know what a smoke shifter is, but you also don't need to take the time to explain it to me. 
So, so regardless, I think Patagonia is a really good example um, because not only are they giving back and trying to protect land, but they're also trying to protect their employees. So I believe, you know, don't, you know, quote me on this, but I believe they shut down the last week of December to give their employees a break. And they said, don't shop from us. We'll be there in January. Like our employees are tired. So like go shop somewhere else. We'll be back. And that is the kind of, you know, action that, you know, it's the, it's great for you to write it down on paper, but show me what you can actually do with the purpose. So, you know, as you're going through these business strategy exercises of what kind of company are you, what kinds of customers and what kind of employees do you want to have? If you're not also taking the action to make those things happen, putting it down on paper is useless. And that's where, you know, the business strategy really, you know, comes alive is how are you going to make this happen? And what are you going to continue to do to live up to those expectations? And how often are you going to review it as the company grows and evolves? And what strategic decisions will you make that are in or out of alignment? So, for example, uh, at our at, when we were last working together at a different company, um, at one point we were told to take on a client that you personally were uncomfortable with. Like, I just don't want to do business with this kind of company. And you didn't get a choice in the matter because the company's purpose was to make a whole lot of money for its accounting for the accountants in, in the parent company. That's really what the purpose was. When we signed on with that company, it had a very different purpose before mm -hmm. acquisition. It was to try and create, you know, a, a fun sort of cheeky, you know, agency that would sort of define the space. And then as soon as they were acquired, they became just uh, another uh, uh, content mill of sorts. And so from a strategy perspective, we have to step back and go, okay, well, what happens if and when our purpose changes or we see conditions where our purpose could change, how do we change our business strategy? Should we, or should, you know, particularly you and I as owners of a company, mm -hmm. what conditions would we even set on the sale of a company that would keep it aligned with its purpose? Well, you know, and that's our responsibility to revisit, you know, right now, at least annually, um, you know, has the purpose of the company changed? Are the kinds of things that we want to do and the kinds of things that we want said about us, has that changed? It's okay if it changes. We just need to own up to it and, you know, live that truth and say like, yep, originally we started with, hey, this is fun. We want to work for ourselves. Our purpose now is to make a boatload of money and, you know, so that we can send ourselves to space. Like if that's our reality, we just need to own it so that people who want to support that can work with us. I mean, maybe there's people who definitely want to send you to space, Chris. Oh, I I'm mean, sure there I, are. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I would, I would imagine that maybe there's like a clipboard with like a sign-up sheet. The same there, is true is. of me as well. You know, I am not innocent in this. People probably want to send <laughs> me to space too. <laughs> the question is whether they want you to return or not. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to leave that out of the conversation. That's it, it's sort of an irrelevant point. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, so as you dig through all this business strategies, I, I think one of the things to do in that strategic review is a take the time to do that that exercise of, of what is the purpose. B then step through the remainder of the five P's. You know what? Who are the kinds of people 
that we are trying to hire? Who are the types of people we want to work with as customers? Um, mm -hmm. Who are the types of people that we want as partners? What are our, what processes do we have in place? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, are, and are they working or not? Uh, what kinds of, not just technologies, but even just the way that you do things. You, if you're a manufacturing company, what does your physical plant look like? If you are an accounting company, you know, in the in the pandemic era, you know, have your processes changed, and has the the way you interface with customers changed? Like my my tax firm has you know drop off and pick up. Like you don't have to sit in an office, uh, you know, you'll have a Zoom call with your with your tax consultant for for safety reasons. And then the measurement part is what we're doing actually working. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really good starting point. And then you apply specific strategies from your book of frameworks to say, okay, well, we're having trouble with our marketing and we're having trouble because we're getting beaten by this competitor now. Okay, great. Let's do a SWOT analysis against that specific competitor and use that tool for what it's intended for. Uh, as opposed to starting with that and then going, mm -hmm. well, this makes no sense because actually this competitor that we just did this analysis on is not actually the problem. So start with the Trust Insights 5P framework to sort of outline the overall strategy. And you can sort of do it at the business level and then by team level uh, and have the team map up to each other and then apply the other frameworks such as, you know, quarters and the four Ps and SWAT. You know, there's no shortage. I'm sure half the books in my bookcase, you know, from my grad school days walk through all of those things. Those are tried and true frameworks that, um, we'll always at least give you some information around, you know, what it is that you're doing, but it doesn't end there. I mean, you need to dig. I would recommend that you dig deeper and use other tools that you have at your disposal, such as, you know, if you're focusing heavily on your digital channels, you know, your attribution models and your SEO analyses and, you know, auditing your content strategy and making sure that each of those things also serves a purpose that aligns with your overall business purpose. You know, this is something that we've talked about for ourselves. You know, what purpose does social media serve in Trust Insights? And it's continuing to evolve. And to be honest, we're still figuring it out. We're experimenting with some new stuff this year, um, but social media has never been a high priority for us. And I don't know that it ever will be a top priority, but you know, the goal for me is to figure out, does it serve any purpose at all? And so, you know, it's a, it's a continual evolution. And I think with everything, you don't just set your purpose once. You don't just set your strategy once. You reset it and revisit it. It needs to be an agile, living, breathing thing. Exactly right. Strategy is... I, it's like gardening, right? You, you just don't plant a bunch of seeds and walk away and say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll come back in, in nine months when everything's grown. There, you, you need to make sure that what you intended to happen is actually happening. And if it's not, you know, make the necessary corrections. Like, oh, look, we have voles. You know, get out a shotgun and start shooting them. Um, or perhaps... <laughs> I mean, that, you would... this, this escalated very quickly. <laughs> you and I garden in very different ways, apparently. Very different. Uh, <laughs> The point being, yes. your strategy is not something you just set once and then forget about it and hope that it comes true, like you know, wishing that to a to a fairy godmother or something. No, it actually requires a lot of work, and it, it is a living thing. And sometimes it will change. And yeah. then the question is whether or not you are okay with those changes. 
Yeah, your strategy is not a Ron Pokeel product. It's not a set it and forget it. <laughs> I just aged myself. <laughs> uh, if you have comments or questions or want to share your own uh, strategies, uh, pop on over to our free Slack or go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 2,200 other colleagues are sharing and answering and asking questions all day long. And wherever it is you're watching or listening to the show, chances are we have it on the platform of your choice. Go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast and find it wherever it is you consume podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.